Thank you for joining the Homeschool Help Desk Live. My name is Tam and I'm here to help you. You can find me on TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube at Cousin Tam. And now let's get into the show. I'm pretty sure I haven't been live since uh, like last Monday. Yeah, no, it is 930. I'm early because <laughs> I was trying to make sure I had my equipment set up. So yeah, it, I'll, I'll still stay on till 1030 today, though. Just 15 extra minutes. So go do what you got to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, so today I am a, a hair early because I wanted to make sure, um, you know, all the equipment was up and running. And I remembered what all these buttons do. <laughs> and it is also being recorded for the podcast. So if, um, you know, if you miss bits and pieces, it will be recorded in some way or another. Um, also, I decided I would jump on a little bit early just to get through the uh, mental whatever backflips I'm doing. Uh, of recognizing that I am an unschooler, apparently. <laughs> uh, I think you just have to have a channel to go live on YouTube. I don't think they have minimum requirements. Uh, it might be that you've had to have your channel for a while. I'm not sure. I don't think you can like make a channel and go live the same day. But there's not like, I don't think there's a minimum requirement for um, subscribers. Hey, Samantha, you said all you're doing is stressing about next school year. <laughs> This is at least a fun way to process it. Listen, so I hear you because I don't know what it is about spring break that makes most of us start thinking about the next school year. And thank y'all so much for the likes. I so appreciate it. Um, but yeah, so I also am in that same mindset. Um, I was going back and forth last week about letting my oldest go ahead and start high school because she finished her eighth grade requirements. And I was like, well, might as well. But uh, actually what we're going to do, uh, or what we are doing this week, um, is she signed up for an edX course through Harvard's extension to start doing a course on video game development. And I was like, let's just do that. Like, let's not even worry about high school math you know, this week, <laughs> let's pump the brakes a little bit because we, you know, we basically just ended up doing like a pros and cons. What are the advantages of trying to go to high school or complete high school early? What would be the end goal? What's the end result? How does this benefit you, meaning my daughter, to start now and finish, you know, super early? And we really couldn't come up with any real reason why she would need to start this week, even though she's complete. So right now she's just doing what she wants to do go unschooling like <laughs> okay so you're gonna start bringing your podcast to youtube you do it okay um oh okay gotcha gotcha samantha though you know i'm always um you said that you know you wanted your um husband took a pay cut you wanted to buy what was you know what you wanted to buy is not in the budget you know i'm always about what's free out there or you know kind of creating our own style which I don't know how I didn't like, I didn't make the connection that I'm an unschooler. I think because I thought I don't fit the aesthetic. That's probably why I've been so resistant to um, claiming unschooling. But 
I don't think I can claim that anymore. <laughs> hey guys, welcome in. I'm also live on YouTube today. So if you guys um, just are popping in um, live on both and it'll be up on YouTube if you have to like step away. You made it through the first year. Can't wait for next year, but also I can wait. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Um, well, congrats on making it through the first year. It is definitely by far the, um, I think the most trying years one and two, because you're one, you're just like, I have no idea where to start or what I'm doing. And year two is you're refining a bit of from year one, but it's still like the toddler phase of homeschooling. <laughs> so like you guys know, I'm always comparing kind of homeschooling to either being a, a new gardener or a new parent. And it's equally as as chaotic, <laughs> in my opinion, for both. So you said, what is the aesthetic anyway? Or what is aesthetic anyway? Listen, we know what the unschooling aesthetic is, okay? <laughs> but for those who are just like, I, I just, I guess I need to say it. I just don't feel like I'm that much of a hippie to be an unschooler. But then I look around in my life and I'm like, clearly I am that much of a hippie. Um and I need to just stop saying that I'm not. Like, just because I wear all black, apparently, is not enough. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, it, it, I think I've known I just didn't want to accept it because I, am, I sometimes feel organized and I do like to have things laminated, instruction, organized, and color-coded. But that does not mean you're not an unschooler. So you're exploring the free stuff right now. Okay, so what's caught your eye? Because I know last time we went live, you had me looking up some something that was pricey. I was like, what is this? <laughs> so what's got your eye on the free side or what has caught your attention? <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, good that you guys are finishing y'all's first year and finishing on a positive note. That's a good thing because sometimes it can just feel like, all right, we're just barely making it to the to the finish line, you know, like if you've ever been a runner or you've ever gone running um, and you get like, you can see the finish line, but you feel like you're about to collapse. <laughs> so there's not like this joy. <laughs> see, I think for us, because we homeschool all year round, there's really no, there's never any real finish line for us. <laughs> you said I'm definitely a hippie. I guess, man, I guess. <laughs> I do think eclectic and unschool are the same. I mean, I, I went and looked up the definitions for both because that's just my style and they are the same. I just don't, I hate the name unschooling. I mean, honestly, that's what it is. I just don't like the name. Okay, so you're liking the campfire curriculum. So you may try that and buy a unit from them occasionally. Got it, got it, got it. I think we we did look up that one one day and that was the more nature-based one. <laughs> you debate how much progress you accomplish about six times a day. That self-doubt is is like, it's always, it's the thing that we all have that unites us, I think, as homeschoolers, is that self-doubt. I don't think I've ever met an, uh, a homeschooler who didn't at least sometimes question, am I doing enough? 
So that's just uh, it's part of the curriculum, I guess, like coffee <laughs> for some people. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Samantha, you said we call it child-led learning. I think those terms are all synonyms, honestly. Child-led learning, eclectics, homeschooling, unschooling, um, all of those are synonyms, to be quite honest, because they ultimately have the same source definition. And I actually, you know, went and talked to my kids about it this morning when I realized it. And I guess I have Allison's video to thank for like, you know, making it, bringing it to the forefront of my mind. Allison from homeschool.house. So if you're not following her for like homeschool resources and recommendations, that's what I'm talking about. Um, and she was the one that kind of, how she was describing it was basically the way that made me go, wait, what? I'm an unschooler? And then, like I said, I went and read one a definition of unschooling and it was just like, oh dang, I can't deny this. So I'll read it to you guys for anyone who hasn't read it or who might be new listening in. So unschooling is an, un is an informal learning that advocates learner chosen activities as a primary means for learning. Unschoolers learn through their natural life experiences through play, household responsibilities, personal interest and curiosity, internships and work experience, travel, books, elective classes, family, mentors, and social interaction. Often considered a lesson and curriculum-free implementation of homeschooling, unschooling encourages exploration of activities initiated by the children themselves, believing that the more personal learning is the more meaningful, well-understood, and therefore useful uh, for the child. While courses may occasionally be taken, unschooling questions the usefulness of standard curricula, fixed times at which learning should take place, conventional grading methods and standardized tests, forced contact with children in their own age group, the compulsion to do homework, regardless of whether it helps the learner in their individual situation, the effectiveness of listening to and obeying the orders of one authority figure for several hours a day, and the other and other features of traditional schooling in the education of each unique child. So when I read that, <laughs> I was like, if that's not my philosophy in a succinct paragraph, I don't know what is. <laughs> so it was really just glaringly obvious staring me in the face today. I'm an unschooler. I am not a homeschooler because even though I have a laminated schedule, right, and school calendar, I don't follow it. <laughs> we are not always homeschooling at 10, you know, 1030 to 1230. And we're not always doing, you know, art and music on Thursdays. Like this is a, this is a security blanket and nothing more. All right. So let me jump back to the comments and see what I've been missing. Um, okay. Mm -mm -mm. Oh, Lori, I'm so sorry to hear that. And you're not behind. First of all, ah, oh. And if anyone is making you feel like you're behind, you you do not need that negative energy in your life, okay? My gosh, you guys are going through a serious life experience right now. Like, you're not behind anything. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm very sorry to hear that though. you're considering all year. I think that that is um, what took so much stress off 
that took a, a homeschooling year round took a lot of stress off of me in the uh, when we switched to that probably around year three of our homeschooling um, because it took the pressure off to finish things by a certain deadline. So it was just another way of like releasing the shackles that uh, traditional public school had on me. So we have been enjoying it. Is Wildwood on my resources? Uh, let's look. I don't, that name doesn't sound familiar. I'm looking it up now. Wildwood. Oh, it might be. This looks kind of familiar. Let me actually go to my resources list to see. I'm going to do control F on that one to search. And again, if you're new, the resources that I'm looking up on my list, uh, just list of resources, it's all in my profile. So the link tree. Okay, no, Wildwood is not on here. So let's take a peek at it. Okay, so it's definitely, okay, yeah, Charlotte Mason based. I'm seeing Shakespeare on here, which I know I was kind of rolling my eyes a little bit at some, ver some the way some people like to implement Shakespeare, it's like, oh, but they have my favorite one, Much Ado About Nothing. So it's looking up. <laughs> okay. I mean, I like Shakespeare, don't get me wrong. It's, it definitely inspires a lot of the entertainment and stuff we we uh, see, but let's not act like that's the only way people can learn uh, about literature. Okay, so I'm adding Wildwood to the list. Okay, so it says it's a secular curriculum for great for ages six through what? Six to fourteen. So basically, looks to be. Um, like K through ninth grade, I would give this. Oh, they have a composer rotation. Which composers are included? Brahm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm familiar with a lot of these. I'm actually kicking myself though. I didn't go to this concert. It was this free concert that was in our area last week. I'm kicking myself. I should have gone. Okay. Where, I'm sorry guys. I keep looking away from the comments, uh, but I am adding Wildwood right now. So if you want to check back later uh, to my list, it'll be on there. Let me just finish adding the link. And uh, thank you, Samantha, for putting that one out there. Okay, and they're still building it. This one is this one is in progress. It says here on their website. So that it sounds like one to watch um, as they continue to grow. So that's good. So it could potentially end up going all the way through high school. Uh, for now, it appears that it's kind of stopping around the ninth grade level. So if you have an interest in the Charlotte Mason style, as we were discussing styles of homeschooling earlier, 
um, this could be one to check out. All right, so that one's on there now. And thank you to those. Hey, you're on YouTube. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> yes. Oh, man, I'm trying to do both, guys. We'll see. Although, okay, so anyone who's not, you know, kind of been around homeschool TikTok for a little bit, are y'all not loving that there are so many more people that are sharing their homeschool style and aesthetic and answering questions now? I'm loving that right now because I think it's so important to see more types of homeschool than just I've got it all together. I've been homeschooling for a million years, homeschoolers. And nothing against those, because obviously I think I fall into that category too. But I'm loving the folks that are like brand new, that are like reaching out for help because they're like homeschool TikTok, help me. Uh, because you need to see that. We need to see that, you know, when you start this thing, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and some, you know, some people like me are like, oh, don't worry about it. You, you got this. But no, I think it's helpful to see in action, like see in real time, people that are figuring it out. All right. So you're going to be joining the state of Georgia in June. Good, good, good. Georgia's dope for homeschooling. You should, if you are coming in June, you might want to consider going to the homeschool expo, Southeast homeschool expo, which happens at the end of July. I go some years, I treat it almost like a teacher training, to be honest. Um, because it allows you to see a bunch of resources all in kind of one room uh, over the course of two days. You're, there'll also be lots of different speakers that are giving talks on specific subjects, like if you're struggling with um, a, a young reader, or if you're not sure how to incorporate math, or you want to make sure your child has uh, exposure to different types of art, like all these types of subjects are covered during the Southeast Homeschool Expo. And also, if you're not in the Southeast, just check your area to see uh, if you have one in your area coming. So um, yeah, check those kind of things out. Oh, okay. So you love it, but you need more people who aren't pushing the good and the beautiful. <laughs> Listen, when it comes to uh brand new home brand new to homeschooling curriculum recommendations the good and the beautiful has people in a chokehold they have the google seo on lock <laughs> and i you know i i'm i'm not anti uh all-in-ones all-in-one curriculum because i do recognize that some people need that when you're just starting out you want the training wheels you want the one and done all in a bundle kind of package so I get its purpose, um, but yeah, I'm with you. Uh, whenever I see Good and the Beautiful, I just scroll because it's like, I am not the target audience. This is not for me. <laughs> so 100%. Oh, hey, Emily. Well, thank you. You're in Florida and you have two kids, one in high school, one in elementary school. Well, I appreciate that compliment, first of all, because y'all don't know every week I want to quit doing this. <laughs> every week <laughs> but every time someone says thank you it's helpful that's what gives me the boost to keep going on to the next week because y'all I, I sometimes just want to retreat back to my quiet life where there's nobody questioning homeschool nobody trying to debate it but I will say this this past uh month or so I have not had uh really anybody be negative on my page which I've been loving that um 
And I, I think we all know why that is. So no need to elaborate on that. But, um, you know, when, when, when the negative comes back, it's like, you know what? I don't have to be here. I'm good. <laughs> but I so appreciate the compliments and the likes. Thank you guys so much. If you want to like it, share it so that um, if you know of someone who could benefit from this live, then please do, please do. Okay, non-religious curriculum. Okay. So the thing about curriculum is, are, are we talking all in one? You need a non-religious all in one? Because chances are, if it's an all in one pre, you know, package to be sold, homeschool curriculum companies know their audience, okay? And whether you like it or not, that tends to be religious leaning people. So if you are looking for resources that are not religious based, you have to delete homeschool from your search and you have to search for just educational materials. You almost have to think like a teacher, think like a public school teacher rather than a homeschooler. If you're, even if you try to type in secular homeschooling, it's, you're not going to find a ton. Like Wildwood was one that Samantha just shared because, um, I had never heard of that, but it looks more like a blog. It's not as polished as some of these other curriculums that you're going to see. I would say look at something like education.com, which is an all-in-one for elementary through middle school. You will find everything that you need under the education.com umbrella, and that includes games. Um, you can print workbooks and all that type of stuff, which is non-religious information on education.com. Um but it's not packaged like a curriculum. Like there's not things to buy and send to your house. It's more online, you print it, you still have to pick and choose what parts of that you wanna use, which is what teachers do. Like even on Teachers Pay Teachers, you'll find a ton of free stuff, but it's not going to be prepackaged in that, you know, lovely cellophane, like you're opening stuff on Christmas morning. Um, okay, I see Blossoming Roots being recommended. I haven't used that, but um, Samantha's saying it's amazing and it's secular. So there you go. That sounds like one for all in one. Oh, also, what's the one that Chelsea uses? Um, Oak, Oak Meadow. Oak Meadow. Oak Meadow is what she had been using and liking, although she says they are transitioning to something else now. Um, so Oak Meadow and Blossom and Root and Wildwood. You can check into those. Um, also, New Path Worksheets I like, but again, it's not an all-in-one pre-packaged curriculum. It's more like print your own as you go. But then, like I said, there's other things that you can put together to make your own curriculum that are not religious, but you're not going to find it necessarily under homeschool. Like spectrum workbooks are, are resources that you can use. Summer bridge workbooks are not religious. Um, Brain quest and every, everything else under the workman publishing scholastic resources. Um, who else? McGraw Hill workbooks. Um, what's the one who, who is, oh, Evan Moore. Evan Moore with their critical thinking workbooks. Like these are things you can put together. Oh, did she? Did, okay, do you remember what it was, Christina? By the way, y'all should be following Christina, Team Hey, five right there. Good morning. 
Okay, so you, uh, you said you just pulled your daughter out. You're trying to unschool, but some days are hard. I feel like I'm not doing enough. Yeah, that's a standard feeling. It's like if you were to go to like a homeschool doctor that was like, so tell me your symptoms. Uh, I'm overwhelmed, a little confused. I feel like I'm not doing enough. All of that. <laughs> it's like you're completely normal. That is completely normal for the first year. You're basically going through a growth spurt, you know, where you're you're a bit uncomfortable. You're unsure. You're like, is this awkward? Is this what it's supposed to look like? Yes. <laughs> yes. If you came into um, if you came into homeschooling completely confident, you know, you didn't question th anything like, am I doing enough? That, if that never popped into your brain, I would think you're insane and you're probably delusional and not doing enough. <laughs> if you are saying that, oh, no, I'm good. Like, I, I know we're doing everything right. Like, if that was what you said. I, I would honestly be worried for your kids a little bit because I'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Okay. <laughs> Unless you were a second generation home, um, homeschooler. If that was your thought and because you had already been through it, then that's a little bit different. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so you're totally normal by, you know, feeling like you're not doing enough because again, you have to, you have to think about it. Like, especially if you went through the traditional 13 years of public school, like me, when you're used to thinking that education or a school day takes seven hours, getting things done in one hour or an hour and a half or even two hours feels like you didn't do enough, but I promise you did. Okay. It's kind of like if you've ever made uh, a recipe that you originally thought, like maybe you, maybe you saw a recipe, um, you had, a, you had a dish at a restaurant and it, it seemed like it was very complex and very challenging, but then you go and you find the recipe and you try to make it at home and you realize like, Oh wait, that's it. There's not more steps to this. That's basically what homeschool is like. And you you also have to divorce yourself from the public school mentality because you're not educating 30 kids at once. You're not answering to an administration that has a lot of different non-academic standards that you have to comply with. So when you take away, you know, let's say you have three kids like me, when you remove 27 kids from the equation and you remove nonsensical sometimes standards from the equation yeah you can get a lot more done faster <laughs> so so don't let that be something that trips you up into thinking like you're not doing enough all right so i'm just jumping back a second i wanted to okay so uh, christina says the website to look for homeschool resources uh that are not religious is secularhomeschooler.com so thank you so much, Christina, for dropping that in. My opinion on the Shell uh, Education uh, 180-day workbooks is that I think it, it operates kind of like public school light um, in that for those of us who live in states that put that 180-day time frame on us, the 180-day workbooks feel very comforting. But in my experience, we don't finish all 180 days. <laughs> And it some of it, it seems a bit redundant. I'm not against it. I just think that it, it operates more like, like I said, like a security blanket. When you go and you research your homeschool laws over here, like in Georgia, it says you must do 180 days, four and a half hours a day. So then you go and you Google or you research homeschool workbooks and you see Shell uh, Education has a bunch of 
180 day math books and language arts and science and, and um, social studies. And you're like, dope, I'm buying all of that. <laughs> and I've done that. So um, I think it, it, it definitely meets its need, but just don't be surprised or discouraged when you don't make it to 100, day 180. In fact, if you do, please come back and let me know that you did. Cause I feel that's like a unicorn moment right there to make it all the way through. <laughs> Um, but it will meet the need. It will meet the, um, if, especially if you're someone like me who are, you know, meeting this uh, state standard is always in the back of your mind. It will do that. And if you're like, I just don't have the the mental capacity. I'm doing too many things to try to plan every lesson. It will do that. But again, keep in mind, your kids are going to have days where they don't feel like doing science. So you're going to be skipping some days in that 180 day. And it's going to make you feel pressure like you've got to catch up. Um, and that's what happened to me. I felt like, oh, we missed day 76. So now we've got to do 76 and 77 on day 77. And it just, it, it created more stress than I, that I didn't need. So um, I think eventually if you start with them, you do graduate from those because you recognize like we can get a lot of this done without the pressure of the numbers of day this, day that. Um, but the content, if you ignore the days, in those books, because I, I actually have some, I'm looking at some right now. If you ignore the days and just focus on the content, I think you'll find it a much less stressful experience. And again, it will meet the needs that you're trying to um, complete for that grade level. So it's a fine resource. Uh, just don't get hung up on trying to keep up with every single one of those days. It will stress you out. All righty, let's see. Okay, awesome, awesome. You guys were agreeing about, um, yeah. Guys, you, we have to remember, those of us who went through public school all the way from start to finish, daycare, summer, summer camps, all that stuff, we are trained. <laughs> we have a, a mentality that has been, we have been indoctrinated and you have to accept that, okay? We are Pavlov's dogs that have been trained to drool at the mention of curriculum. And we are supposed to anticipate hours and hours of learning and busy work, okay? And once you have recognized that you have been trained, we are, we are a product of our conditioning, but we're trying to break out of that and give our kids something different, you have to recognize it's not gonna look the same. And I think if you accept that, those of you who are considering homeschooling, accept that it's not gonna look like what you experience, you will have a less stressful transition into homeschooling. Um, especially if you're someone with young kids who will never go to school, like mine, we started when they, my kids have never been to school, even though I've kind of decorated our little room here to look like a school, that's for me. That's my brain that says we need a whiteboard and we need a calendar and we need stuff on the walls, the alphabet on the walls, and we need posters. My kids don't even spend most of their day in here. <laughs> like this is just where they store their stuff. I'm the one in here like, yeah, I'm doing good. <laughs> because it's my mentality says we need cork boards and we need posters. My kids are learning by talking to Alexa and watching YouTube and you know, going to the library and going to events. This room, <laughs> and I'll, I'll go ahead and give you guys like a, a preview around it. This room is a product of my public school conditioning that says I need this <laughs> to feel official. My kids, 
don't need this. Your kids don't need this. It does not have to be this expensive, um, you know, adventure that you are, you know, putting pressure on yourself. Uh, but if you do, just recognize it for what it is. <laughs> that it's a product of your conditioning and that's okay, but just don't look at that as this is how it has to be. All right, so let's jump back a bit. I know I keep letting the comments pile up. Oh, you were homeschooled and you were forced to make it to day 180. Yeah, oh. You did, you did or did not have, you did have to deal with the extra stress that you're talking about. Yeah. When you have to make up things, often had school across the weekends. Yeah. See, that's what I don't love about the 180 day things um, is it, 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 it imposes this pressure um, to catch up. But again, that goes away when uh, you just decide to um, homeschool year round. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. Okay. So you tried the 180-day workbooks this year, you usually do a page or two a day, and you find you have to supplement some days with more resources, but it gives us a start point. Yeah, it's a, it can definitely operate as a backbone um, to what you're trying to do. And all curriculum, by the way, not just these workbooks, all curriculum, you will supplement with other things. And I uh, that's another thing, I think, if you go into it knowing that whatever is on the worksheet or the lesson plan that you print out from wherever you get it, you will supplement that with a YouTube video. You will supplement that with a, a field trip to a science museum or history museum or art museum near you. You will add on to that with books that you get from the library, like no curriculum. And anyone who tells you any different is lying or sponsored and possibly both. You are not going to find any curriculum that is fully complete that you don't add additional resources to. And the, the the analogy that I use with that is like a cookbook, right? A lot of these curriculums are cookbooks. They give you the basic recipe, but you know your family's dietary needs. You know that you guys like more cinnamon or more sugar or less salt or you're gluten-free or, you know, whatever your, the dietary needs are for your family. So you will make adjustments to that cookbook. The same way when you buy a curriculum, any curriculum, you will make adjustments, you will add on, you will take away, you will, you know, whatever is needed for your child's learning style, you will add, you will make those adjustments. Sorry, I got eyelash in my eye. You will make those adjustments um, accordingly. Okay, Marilyn, trying to look for groups. You're going to start to the library. Yeah, start at the library. That was going to be my recommendation. You're already on it. Because a lot of times librarians are recognizing, <laughs> you know, the frequent flyers uh, that come through the library quite often. So definitely start uh, with the library. Uh, I'm not a Facebook person, but I hear, you know, a lot of people find each other through Facebook. But um, libraries and just other activities that your kids like, like my kids have met friends through Girl Scouts, through Taekwondo, through just being out and about. And you recognize like people that are out on a Tuesday morning at 11 with a bunch of other kids are probably homeschoolers like you. So, yeah, you're you're just it just I like it when it happens naturally, but you can definitely like make it happen by seeking out co-ops and stuff.
<laughs> you said you need the room. I admit it. And I want a smart board too. Right. But recognize where it comes from and recognize that it's not necessary for homeschool, but we just want it, you know? And it's, it's just like with a car, right? Like certain cars have additional features that are, have nothing to do with the operation of the vehicle, but it makes you feel more comfortable when you have this or that feature in your car. This room is a feature that I like to have. And I've, I've recognized that. Like, this is so not necessary for homeschooling, but it makes me feel good. <laughs> okay. I thought I saw someone that said, oh, Jessica says, I don't even know where to start with homeschooling. Well, welcome, Jessica, if you're still here. And I say start with uh, how old are your kids? Let's start there. Are your kids in school or are they young and you would not be, they haven't been to school yet? Because that's two different start points. It's kind of like the game of life, right? Like when you choose um, the college route on the game of life or you choose the career route, like it's, we got different start points here with, with homeschooling. So are you starting from my kids have been in school a couple years? Or are you starting from my child is four or five and we're thinking about it? Okay, you said Facebook is a lost cause. Yeah, I'm I'm not a huge fan, honestly. Okay, yeah, you don't have extra rooms but posters on the wall. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, same, same on that. There's Sundays where your kids only do education.com and reading. I totally get that. All right, Jessica's answer. She said, I have a se second grader and your youngest will start kindergarten in August. Okay, so still pretty young. Um, so with your second grader, if you're choosing to homeschool, you would need to withdraw. That's step one. Um, no, back up. Jessica, do you mind sharing what state you're in? Because that also affects the step, the first step. <laughs> Sorry, I know I said what age, but I also need age and state. <laughs> because I don't want to get into this whole long rant about what you need to start if you live in like Texas. <laughs> okay, Alabama. All right. So you would, for Alabama, that's the state that, op that treats um, homeschool like a private school. So you would need to uh, withdraw your second grader properly through your school district. So your school district will have a, on their website a withdrawal procedure form um, depending on your school district, you'll have to mail it in or you have to walk it in or some schools are in the 21st century with us and you can just do it online. But whatever that procedure is, you'll withdraw your second grader. Um, but before you do any paperwork, you're going to want to visit Alabama's um, Department of Education website, which you can just search Department of Education Alabama and um, read through their descriptions for homeschool because they have different um, classifications. One, they look at homeschoolers as private schools, but then there's a separate umbrella where it's like Alabama under a, under a religious organization homeschooling, and then Alabama, you're kind of doing it your own way for um, homeschooling. You could also find this information on the HSLDA website in order to just get an overview but I always think the best place to start with this stuff is the Department of Education for your state because they typically all of them have a page dedicated to homeschooling with the resources right there. And it's best to just get it directly from the source. So that's just my two cents on that. But either way, um, when, once you've done the legal schmeagle bit um, of just 
recognizing what the law says for um, homeschoolers in Alabama, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised that it's not super intense. You don't have assessments um, in Alabama because I'm your neighbor. I'm in Georgia. So I was looking at the differences. It's just across state lines. It's so different. The only thing you really have to do in Alabama is just notify the state that you are going to be homeschooling. And then after that, it'll be up to you to find the curriculum through basically trial and error of, of what you guys want to choose, use and how you guys want to go about meeting the standards for Alabama. So it's pretty simple. It's just a matter of paperwork, doing it in the right order. But start with reading through what Alabama requires. <laughs> Samantha said you covered you converted your basement to a homeschool room, but we never use it. I mean, but we recognize it's for us. It makes us feel good. Um you said you thought you have to have a state licensed educator in order to homeschool in Alabama. I think you might be talking about their umbrella school option under their church version. Cause like I said, Alabama has different homeschool options. Um, and I believe if you're going under the church option, that one has the teacher license educator requirement. But if you're homeschooling as though you're just like your own private school, your own private entity, no, that's not a requirement. Uh, you said you're coming back to homeschool. You thought private Christian school might be the key. It was not. But hey, you tried it out. You know, um, I've I am always an advocate of school choice. You tried it out and you recognize it wasn't it wasn't going to be a good fit. Where do you start for logging homeschool credits? So um, I have already created a high school transcript that we will be using, and that's how I'm going to be logging the credits. Um, I sell the transcript that I have made. It's on my, it's in my Etsy shop, but essentially you would create the transcript that you're going to be using because that's all that a, a college is going to ask of you is for a transcript. Now there are some states that want to see samples of work. So you would want to keep samples of work from the courses that you're going to be using to meet those high school credit requirements. But you would start just like you would start with any type of, um, enrollment process. You go ahead and write down the courses that you're planning to have your child take for that semester or term, whichever way, whichever language you're using. We use semesters at our house. And so I just write down what course my child is going to be taking. You know, you put fall 2023 or whatever is going to be the time frame, and then you grade it accordingly. However, you're going to be grading it, whether you're outsourcing that to um, another teacher or like a co-op or if you're going to do it yourself. And I think that's one thing. Hey, M, I think that's one thing that trips people up is is recognizing how much authority you have as the parent taking on the role of teacher, administrator, bursar, registrar for your kid. Like you are granted that authority by state law. And if anyone wants to argue you down about that, just tell them to read the law themselves. But you have all the authority to create those documents. And I think we as parents were like, wait a minute, that's way too much adulting. <laughs> like, are you sure nobody else comes in and checks this? There's like nobody I have to go through. No, that's the truth of it. No. And it's the same at the public school level. Like 
as much as they try to make us think that permanent records and all that kind of stuff is a thing, there is nobody, unless you're, unless the school gets in trouble, there's nobody coming from the Department of Education down to your child's elementary school to knock on your teacher or their teacher's classroom door and say, did you teach it like this and do it like that and do it like that? No, they're trusting that teacher who says that your child got an A on skip counting. That's it. Trust. The whole system is built on trust and compliance. <laughs> you really want to break it down. Um, but the compliance is trusting that you say you did it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I try to make it easy to use, but some folks still do not like using Excel. <laughs> so it's a, it comes off a little tricky for them. But uh, yeah. Okay, the high school diploma is what worries you. Ultimately, why haven't I made the change yet? Yeah. Um, I wish I could say that it was more official than it is. It's so not. And, and this is, I'm telling you this not as just a homeschool. I'm telling you this as a former college admissions counselor. Like I worked in college admissions for two of the top universities here in Georgia. And y'all, the way they had us believe in these diplomas were more than a piece of paper. And for anybody listening on the podcast, I'm just having a moment of silence for our own gullibility. <laughs> oh my gosh, because that's literally all it is. Emma is saying accurate. Emma is a former teacher, guys. For anyone who is new to my live, Emma is a former teacher. I believe she's saying accurate to the example I just gave about like nobody from the Department of Education is coming to check in. <laughs> And like I said, unless there's a problem, then of course they want to see everything in an audit and, you know, they want it tabbed and filed and all that kind of stuff. So I do recommend that you keep track, like don't pencil with this stuff and lie about your child's abilities because at some point they will, it will catch up that you're lying. But ultimately the whole entire education system, whether it's public, private, charter, homeschool, unschool, it's all built on trusting that you are teaching what you say you're teaching. And anyone who would want to debate that, I welcome it. I welcome it. <laughs> so you said that's how they can pass children along. 100%. 100%. Like, what was it um, a couple months ago? Everyone was scandalized and clutching their pearls about, I believe it was Baltimore, uh, was the city that said, um, however many public schools in their district didn't have any kids meeting, they, they were not reading or doing math on grade level. And people were like, oh, how can that be? Um, because nobody's checking, babe, until like, until stuff hits the fan, then everybody's outraged, but it had to make the news for people to care. This was going on for years. This is operational. It's embedded in the administration of these schools. Like, they're just, they're going to just pass your kid along. If your kid shows up, you get marked present. And after that, who's, who really knows? Like when you send your kids to school, and I know my mom didn't know. My mom didn't know that when I was in, um, what was it? High school, 10th grade, that my entire history class comp was comprised of watching Roots and listening to my teacher talk about the Atlanta Braves baseball team. Do you think my mom knew that? No, she looked at the report card and said, oh, cool, you got a B. 
how did I get a B? But anyway, <laughs> like she didn't know what my history teacher was teaching. You know, she trusted the school that the teacher who was the baseball coach. So who knows if he really had a, a teaching degree. Um, she trusted that the school was putting adults in place who knew the subject. And when she got my report card, she was like, good job. Try to get an A next year. <laughs> like, she wasn't asking the teacher for a syllabus. And this is not a dig on my mom, guys. This is what all of y'all do. All of us who put our kids, anyone who puts their kids in public school does this, okay? I'm using my mom and me as an example because this is the experience that I've had. But this is not in any way a dig on my mother or my dad who um, just trusted the school system. And obviously it worked out fine. I got the degree. I got the piece of papers they were asking for. But let's stop acting like it's more than that, okay? You, Your child, when you send them to school, they do just enough for the teacher to go, Good job. <laughs> I literally made a shirt. I remember making a shirt um, with these little iron on letters. that said, if it's not on the test, then I really don't care. Because I didn't. I didn't want to learn anything. I was only there to get the grade required to make my parents happy, to make the teachers happy, to get the, the number on my GPA that was required to go on to the next level. It was like playing the world's longest video game. And all I was trying to do was level up, level up, level up, level up, level up in terms of like first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, I really wasn't trying to do a ton of extra. And especially when I got to middle school, I mean, you can't pay a middle schooler to care about what those teachers are talking about. They'll just do enough to not get in trouble or to you know impress their parents. Just like, I don't know about y'all, but when people would ask me, what do you wanna be when you grow up, doctor? Why did I say that? Because that's what impressed them and shut them up. <laughs> but clearly did not become a doctor, clearly did not want to become a doctor. And the fact of the matter is we're, we're just repeating the cycle to our kids. Those of us who are, you know, we put our kids in school, we're doing that same thing. We're not questioning these teachers. We're not really asking to see the syllabus or maybe you do, maybe you do read the syllabus and it makes you feel good. Like, oh, they're gonna be learning about, you know, Columbus sailing the ocean blue in 1492. That lie, if you've ever been to the Caribbean, I mean, like we just follow along because this is the prescribed method and anyone who dare. Yes, I said pediatrician too. <laughs> I said pediatrician too, because I want to help children. <laughs> I don't even like children like that. Oh my gosh. Why were we all telling the same lie? <laughs> all right, let me jump back a second for some of these comments. Thank you guys for the compliments and the likes. I so appreciate it. Hello. Good morning to everyone. Um, yeah, Jessica said it's been a crazy year. I'm sure. I mean, now with social media, it exposes a lot more than when we were in school. A lot. Just think about it. These are the same. Like, think about what teachers were getting away with back then <laughs> because there everybody didn't have a camera. But now a lot of this stuff is being exposed. So it's like you, you kind of have to pay more attention now. Okay, marine biologist. Okay, yeah, I remember that one. I, I remember hearing people say that. And so now you're in mortgages. I, to me, you made a great call. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, you said it's all about money. It is, it is. And all, honestly, it's all about being able to quantitatively um, show things because you really cannot gauge learning. Like if we, how deep do we want to go today, guys? I mean, honestly, you really cannot gauge whether or not someone has learned something 
um, because let's for with without imposing certain standards, certain um, benchmarks, right? And sometimes that's arbitrary. But you have to be able to have some kind of arbitrary test to gauge whether or not someone has learned. But the truth is, once you're outside of that system, once you are, once you graduated or you have elected to not participate, whether that's through homeschooling or unschooling, you recognize like that's not how learning is actually measured. It's not a test. It's not a worksheet. It's not, um, you know, anything that's really quantifiable. It's more about ex experiential learning. You don't have a test, really a gauge, a number of, uh, of how well you can tie your shoes. Like, do you get a hundred? Do you get a 75 <laughs> in tying your shoes? No, it's just your parents teach you or you teach your kids and you know that they learn how to do it when you don't have to keep kneeling down anymore. Do they get an A in shoe tying? No. Same thing with cooking. Like there's really no grade for that. It's like, is it edible? Does it taste good? Is this an A? Is this a B? It's all really subjective at the end of the day. I have heard of K-12. K-12 is the, um, it's the corporate work from home job of, of, <laughs> of curriculum. It, it's fine. It'll get the job done. Uh, a lot of people I know tend to move on from that once they are ready to take the training wheels off. I have no negative thoughts about it. I don't use it. Um, it's just, it's fine. It, it's, um, especially if you're transitioning from public school to homeschooling, I think that's the middle step that a lot of people take before they feel comfortable enough to go out on their own and find different curriculum for different resources. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said that's facts that you can see that they did the work, but did they understand it and remember it later? I'm going to say from my perspective, 100% no. I'm a professional at like, like regurgitate, repeat, regurgitate, repeat, like, and just dump that stuff out of my brain. I'm a professional at that. <laughs> that's what school taught me how to do. It taught me how to memorize facts or memorize things quickly in order to repeat it with just enough of a spin on it to make it sound original and get a good grade on the test and then dump that crap out of my brain for the next test. <laughs> that's what I learned how to do in school. I'm actually learning how to learn from teaching my kids. And, and oh, well, college helped. Um, I'm not going to like, I'm not completely dismissive of my college experience, but a lot of my college classes were, were very similar. It's like, learn it, test it, dump it. <laughs> so now learning with my kids, I'm actually, I feel like I'm actually learning for the first time in my life. And, and we're sharing that information with our friends and family. Like there's so many times where I'll call my mom and um, tell her something that we've learned. Like, she was really tripped out that my six-year-old knew how to read the word trapezoid the other day. And she was like, is that something they're supposed to learn? Like, show is this written down that a, a six-year-old has to learn like how to read the word trapezoid? And I'm like, I went to the standards and it said something about needing to be able to identify a trapezoid. She's like, but he's reading it on his own. And I'm like, she was just so impressed by that. And I'm just like, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> this is what we do. Okay, wait a second. Okay, you guys are giving y'all's opinion on K-12. 
Yep, yep, yep. It's a good first step. I think a lot of people, you know, the general consensus is it's a first step. Maybe not even good. Maybe good is giving it too much credit. It's a first step. <laughs> like when you go from public school to home and you're like, I have no idea, but I need something. K-12 can be that something. Um, think about it like this. And y'all know I love my analogies. Um, let's say you've been taking public transportation your whole life, right? Public school being the public transportation. And it gets you where you want to go, but you want to have a little bit more freedom of movement, right? Because, you know, public school has a pre, or public transportation has a, you know, pre, pre-prescribed route. Okay. But you're like, all right, I'm ready to get off the bus or the train or whatever. And I want to have freedom, more freedom of movement, but you're not quite ready to drive yourself. K-12 will be like the Uber or the Lyft of transportation. So like you have more freedom of movement, but you're still not driving yourself. So the Uber driver, you know, is the one that controls the speed and the route and stuff like that. But you can still go more places, I suppose. And then um, branching out of that, homeschooling would be you being the driver. And you can now drive wherever you want. So all the responsibility is on you, you know, vehicle maintenance, choosing the route, choosing the speed, you know, all the, you know, necessary components of driving safely, all that is still on you. Um, but you have much more freedom of where you want to go when you want to go. So hopefully that analogy helped and made a bit of sense. Um, all route, all those things though that I mentioned, like, you know, public transportation, Uber, Lyft, driving yourself, being on a bike, walking, you know, you can still get to where you want to go. It's just a matter of, you know, how much control do you want to have over where, over how you get there? So um, that's that's my version of K-12. They're like the Uber and Lyft of curriculum. But, you know, you don't get to pick the vehicle. You don't really get to pick the driver. It's just a matter of who can get you there at the speed that you're trying to get there. And you may not like the Uber driver. You may not like the Lyft driver. I'm saying this like I've ever been in one. I've never have. But from what I've seen, you may not like the driver. You may not like the route they chose. You may think that they should have chosen a different route. Well, you don't get to pick because you're not the driver. Um, and that's kind of what K-12 and, and other all-in-ones are like. They're like that. So, okay, cool. I see you guys saying that uh, the analogy was good. Good, good, good. Glad you guys got it. <laughs> Sometimes I'm over here like I'm just in my own little bubble. Like, eh, nobody gets it. <laughs> uh, but me... So, okay, any recommendations on what we should be working on at each grade level? So there are sites that are that are fully dedicated to, to listing out the standards for each grade. Your state actually may have one. So like Georgia, for example, has georgiastandards.org where you go and you click on the subject, you click on the grade, and it has a whole list of recommendations and, and explanations for what your kids should know at that grade. There's also a book um, series called What Your kindergarten needs to know what your first grader needs to know you could read through that book um and then you could also look up um the on on google you could search fourth grade scope and sequence and find a list of things that your fourth grader should know um all of them are going to be different <laughs> i'm just telling you right now so it really comes down to what do you think your child should know and you could use those different examples that I just gave as a guideline for how you want to approach education and learning in your household. But those are different ways that you can find out that answer. Keep it going. Any books or websites you recommend K-12 minor in kindergarten? 
I do like um, New Path Worksheets as a guide. Love Teachers Pay Teachers as um, a place to look for different resources. But please keep in mind for kindergarten, you don't need a ton. PBS is sufficient. <laughs> um, the what your, what your Kindergarten Needs to Know book could help you with just some ideas. Um, I really, really like education.com. Um, YouTube, for sure. Things like Storybots, I think, are fantastic for introducing lots of different things like days of the week, numbers, um, not numbers, days of the week, the planets, dinosaurs. Like, I love, I freaking love Storybots so much. They taught my kids so many things just through songs and music. And, um, you know, just playing games, going to your libraries, um, read aloud times, I think will be good as well. Oh, your child school asked for a copy? I'd ask them why, like we're withdrawing. Why do you still need my kids records? But, you know, maybe it's one of those things where they just want to have a record to show that you fully withdrew and now you're uh, homeschooling. Uh, never have heard of that being a requirement. It just might be a request. And knowing the difference between request and requirement is, is, is important when you are choosing to be your own advocate um, but it's certainly not a requirement by law. It just may be a request for the completion of their withdrawal process. Like, you know, like, cause I, now that I'm thinking about it, if I were working in a school administrator's office and I had a, a parent come in and say they wanted to withdraw their kid, I would probably want that as a sign that shows like, Hey, this is, they completely withdrew. And this is the proof that they are now homeschooling. So we are no longer responsible for this child. That could be why they're asking you, which in that case, I don't really see a problem with that. Um, because the only thing that's on the DOI is their name and your address and your county, which they have all that information anyway. So it's just further proof and protection on their side that shows that that the withdrawal process was complete. So I would say, you know, gauge it. It's just know that it's not required by law and I have the state laws printed. Um, but it's up to you on that one. Yes. Oh, good. Okay. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Your fifth grader is having a hard time with math homeschooling. Do you have a suggestion? My fifth grader who just came in is using teaching textbooks, but I also really like to incorporate the games on ABC Yaw and education.com and just games in general. Like I, I made a video over on my YouTube channel about math bingo. That was so helpful, y'all. Oh my gosh. It, it became the thing that they were learning without realizing they were learning. So I freaking love math bingo, the addition and subtraction and the multiplication and division. We also have played fractions dominoes. So those types of games where they they have to do a bit more thinking, but it's not in a worksheet or it's not, you know, online with a test component to it, where it's just more like for fun, that really helped because once they can get the multiplication and division and the addition and subtraction down, every other part of math becomes so much easier. So it's like it, that's like the the equivalent of phonics with reading. Like once your kids can get the letter sounds down and, and you know, sounding out and putting words together, reading becomes so much easier. Same thing with math. So one of the ways I really like to incorporate that is uh, math bingo. I've never used Beast Academy, but if anyone else has, please do share. 
Yeah, some public schools do want to make you feel like you don't have a choice. Um, you know, when it comes down to that, I just put it down to, you know, the indoctrination works. <laughs> I was part of that. Like, I for sure was given side eye to homeschoolers before I started. And um, because I was like, clearly the only place you can learn is a school. Duh. That's why they call it a school. Um it's kind of like people who think the only place you can eat is a restaurant or the only place you can get food is a grocery store. And then you tell someone, oh, well, I'm going to grow my own food. They look at you like you're crazy. Very same thing. So just expect that some people are not going to divorce their mindsets from the public school system and keep it pushing. Like just because someone else only thinks that you can only get a tomato from a grocery store doesn't mean you can't grow your own tomatoes. Just let them get their stuff from the store and you do your thing. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's, uh, I would just, you know, expect the side eye. It's going to happen. It's happening less um, now because I've been homeschooling now for nine years. It's definitely happening less, but it's not going to go away. Some people are very comfortable in their mindset. And I just say, let them be comfortable. I'm not a, I'm not an evangelist or recruiting. I always tell people, I am not recruiting. This is not that page. I'm not the person that's like, if I can do it, you can do it. Because girl, nah, this is hard. <laughs> And there's some days that I don't even want to do it, <laughs> which is another reason why I, I've been trying to stay very quiet uh, the last like couple weeks, because I know whenever there's a tragedy, people do jump and say homeschooling is the answer. And I've been trying to be real quiet about that because I am of the opinion. I disagree with people um, homeschooling for emotional reasons, because that's not going to be enough to keep you going when your kid is back talking you <laughs> and telling you that they don't feel like doing that schoolwork. So, um, yeah, that, that emotional impulse, um, I'm not saying that can't be like, maybe that was your last straw. Like you were, if you were already thinking about homeschooling and the recent events were kind of like the last straw, okay, that's different. But if before those incidents, you weren't thinking about homeschooling and now you are, I'm going to just say therapy is more the answer than homeschool. Like you need to get that together first because homeschooling your kids on a whim or on, you know, based on that emotional, what, you know, what you were triggered by in the news is not enough to keep you going. Um, and that's, those are, you know, my experience, those are typically the parents that end up putting the kids back in public school. Um, and those are the ones that the teachers end up talking about. The kids are behind when they get back in public school because the, the parent jumped in head first into the into the shallow end without doing any real research and they were just you know emotionally triggered by an event a life event and um yeah those aren't the ones that uh should be homeschooling you can't be that emotional about really any decision just like you wouldn't quit your job because another uh, workplace violence happens in a lot of different places but that doesn't mean you quit your job right but if you were already on the path of I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to do my research and I'm going to learn about self-employment laws and how I'm going to have health insurance when I'm out of here, like all that research, if you've done all that before and that workplace violent incident is what triggered you, that's different. But if you're like, you saw something on the news of workplace violence and now you're going to quit your job with no plan that's equally as dumb as trying to homeschool with no plan, <laughs> like with no research, no prior research, no prior conversations with people. So I'm your friend. I'm your cousin. That's going to be like, look, maybe you ought to just 
calm down, have more communication with the teacher, talk about safety with your kids, but your kids are doing fine in school. You should probably leave them there. Um, Cause yeah, I don't like seeing people get uh, yank their kids around because they're feeling emotional. So that's, that's my thoughts on that. Okay, let me jump back to the comments. Any recommendation for world geography? Ooh. See, we did um, little passports, which I liked. Um, and then my parents travel a lot. So I kind of outsource world geography to my parents. Be like, where y'all at this month? <laughs> I would just say, let it follow your kid's natural curiosity. A lot of times history and geography team up quite a bit because there's um, like on nationaltoday.com, it'll say it's this nation's independence day. And that's something that's very natural, um, a way, a, a natural way to, to study things. You can also just play different map games. Oh, GeoGuessr is a fun game to play. Kind of addictive for fair warning. It's kind of addictive. Um, watching, you know, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? I really liked doing that. Um, but for if you're looking for something more formal, we did use a, a, a curriculum called Studies Weekly for a couple of years. And that was reading heavy, but it also, you know, did introduce world geography a bit. So that is my suggestion. Oh, someone says uh, Little World Wonders and Thistles and Biscuits was nice. I am not on at this time daily weekly where do you start with upcoming ninth graders i'm starting with the standards for my state so georgiastandards.org is where i'm starting um, to look up what is required for ninth grade at, at every level so that's where you could start and then depending on how your kid learns you can outsource a lot for high school like a lot um a lot of it i mean khan academy if that's not already bookmarked for you for high school it should be um, what was the other one for the high school that we were looking at? Was it all in one? Yeah, allinoneheighschool.com is another website that you could bookmark uh, for just the basics, the backbones of high school. And then you can supplement that however you want to. But you're going to want to start with the standards. So yes, thank you, thank you, thank you for that question. And thank y'all for the likes and the follows, by the way, and the shares and all that good stuff. So definitely appreciate it. Oh, did I not? I forgot to turn on the guest thing. My bad, guys. But um, all this is was recorded for today. So if you missed any of it, um, it's going to be on my YouTube page, Cousin Tam. It's also on the podcast where you can go and subscribe and support my content, um, which is just under Homeschool Help Desk Live. Any resources that we're talking about um, were listed in, it's all in my profile listed there as like um, a spreadsheet that you can just like scroll through. It's just an ever-growing list um, of a lot of stuff. <laughs> I recommend using Control F to like search through some of that. Um, do, 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 do. Oh yeah, the ancestry. We did that too. And that definitely helps. Yeah, doing doing your own personal like family ancestry. Oh my gosh, that was so fun. Creating your own family tree is another great way to just naturally weave in um world geography. And obviously world events, depending on how old your kid is, that could also help. 
Okay, so I see the question, what about friends? So my thoughts on the friend thing is I prefer to let it happen naturally rather than force it. I have tried co-ops and it felt like the only thing we had in common was we were all calling ourselves homeschoolers. We weren't even homeschooling the same way. So co-ops are not my jam, could be yours. Um, I just, just let my kids enroll in activities that they like, whether they're free or low cost activities like Girl Scouts, um, Taekwondo. We go to the library quite often and the, the friendships form naturally. So um, that's that to me has led to the best friendships is when you just talk to your kid and you say, hey, what are you into? You sign them up for that thing, whether it's a sport, whether it's art, whether it's, you know, whatever, and just let them meet kids there naturally and exchange information with the parents, make arrangements to meet outside of that activity after a couple of interactions, because it's more, it's low stretch. You know, you're not going there for the friendships, but the friendships just naturally happen. Um, but I would say, you know, that same question can be asked of anybody in public school, because I have a lot of my kids' friends are public schoolers. And my kids are still the public schoolers' best friends. Like going to school is not a guarantee of friendship. I'm not saying it can't happen, but definitely if you're leaving your house and participating in activities consistently, you're likely to make friends because that's how friendship happens. You're in Louisiana and there's no extracurricular activities near you. I mean, I'm not calling you a liar or anything. I just, I will push back on that. Like you might not know about the activities that are near you. You might have to explore. Cause I live in a very rural area. I'm talking like a hundred yards from cows. So you might just have to do a little bit more research um, or just ask around a little bit more because somebody's doing something. Because even with, when, like with public schools, a lot of activities cannot happen during those public school hours. So. Those kids that are in school are meeting somewhere outside of school. You just have to look around and ask questions. Please stop. Hey, stop. Thank you. My goodness. Ah. <laughs> oh. I do. Okay. So someone's asking, do you use credited or unaccredited curriculum? Accredited is um, a label that carries no weight. Um, basically, just, just for the record, I don't know. Some of the curriculum that or resources that we use might have an accredited stamp, but it's just that. It's like um, accredited is like the JD Power and Associates. It's just a made up stamp that some organization has given because this curriculum meets their arbitrary list of things. It makes absolutely no difference when it comes to college admissions, if that is where that question was going. Um, and again, I say this from the perspective of a college, former college admissions counselor. Um, it's a label. It's a warm and fuzzy label. Um, so some of the things that we use might be accredited, like we use teaching textbooks as our math. I have no idea if they are accredited uh, by anybody. They, they might be accredited by some organization somewhere. <laughs> but that's not, for me, that's not a factor in choosing uh, curriculum. It's more so what helps my kids learn. Um, whether or not it's accredited is, I have no idea. We also use education.com, which is an affiliate of IXL 
which I do believe IXL has some kind of badges on their website that say accredited by somebody. But again, accreditation is, I actually looked this up. I used to hold it up in the class. I looked up the accreditation standards for um, like what it would take to become accredited as a homeschool in Georgia, because a lot of homeschool groups um, do choose to go through the steps. It's like $250 to uh, have somebody come out and review your records, basically, and give you the stamp that says this homeschool group is now accredited. That's all it is. It's, it's basically an inspection. Um, I'm trying to look at the IXL website. I don't know if IXL is accredited, but I know that we use it. We also use Khan Academy, which may or may not be accredited. I have no idea. I would imagine it probably has some kind of accreditation, maybe, because every school on the planet uses Khan Academy. Uh, but I have no idea if Khan Academy is accredited by any particular organization. It, it's not important to me. It's not important to any college. And I'm, I just choose to not let it be another thing that stresses me out. I actually want to know, though, now, Khan Academy accredited. It's not. <laughs> Khan Academy is not an accredited school, <laughs> but every school on the planet uses it. <laughs> well, if that is not an example of how unimportant it is, <laughs> that's funny. Okay. So yeah, no, I, I have no idea is the short answer to is the curriculum I use accredited or not. All right, and also I saw you guys um, answering the the friends questions. So I'm gonna scroll down a bit, but yeah, the friends thing is it's more personality driven than homeschool. Like as a homeschooler, I have kids, three kids, that are on on a spectrum of of extroversion and introversion. I have one that is extremely introverted, one that is extremely extroverted, and one that's kind of in the middle. And they all have friends. It's just a matter of how do, how they like to interact with their friends. They all have their own individual activity. Cause that was my, um, I do force them, I guess, if, if you want to use that term, I do force them to have an outside of the house activity, but the frequency of how often it meets and what they do is completely dependent on their personality. So just depends. Um, how do homeschooling kids get a diploma? We order it, <laughs> not even joking. Uh, we literally order it the same places that um, schools order it from. That's where you can order from. You can make your own. When you choose to homeschool, the law, especially in Georgia specifically, gives you the authority as the parent to create and sign off on all documentation that is required, including a high school diploma. Yes, it is that simple. Okay, so Khan Academy is probably not for first graders. You would want Khan Academy kids. And you can use it just like any other app where they're playing games. And they're going to uh, typically be reviewing math and reading at that level. And then as your kids get older, you can branch out into the sciences and the histories and the art histories and computer programming, all that type of stuff. So if you've got a tablet, I would just say look up Khan Academy Kids for, um, for your first grader. Sammy, how's it going? Okay, your understanding is that only schools can be accredited. In Georgia, you have to uh, call yourself, hold on, it's called non-traditional something. I have to find it. Cause y'all know I printed this a while ago. Uh, 
Oh, where is my accreditation worksheet? I'm getting messy as the school year comes to a close. But I printed out the standards for uh, accrediting bodies here in Georgia. And they have a thing where if you are not a school, like you're a non-traditional school, they have something that they call it. And I used to keep it right over here on the floor because I kept referring to it. And now I can't find it. But short answer is you don't have to be a school. Let me find it. Oh, there it is. No. See, I looked this up so much that my, my computer just remembers it. Okay, so uh, the, the commissioning agency that I'm looking at right now, this is one of the ones, it's called the Georgia Accrediting Commission. This is one of the accrediting commissions that is accepted by the University System of Georgia here in my state. So like I told you guys, I was an admissions counselor for two of the public universities here. And when they talk about accreditation, the, this is one of the commissions that they look to um, for giving a thumbs up. And one of, when you are looking under the standards, they call homeschoolers non-traditional education centers. That's what homeschool will fall under. And there's 23 requirements in order to become an accredited organization here in Georgia, which like I said, some homeschool groups do choose to go through this accreditation process because especially if you're gonna be charging people money, you wanna be able to have that, um, that special sauce that makes people wanna pay because you can say you're accredited <laughs> basically. Um, so it's like a, an official stamp of approval. And right here on the website, it says you have to pay the $250 application fee and um, to have a consultant come out and check your written operational plan that includes these 23 points. And some of the points that are on here is like, the students must be nationally standardized test every three years. Well, that's a standard for all homeschoolers here in Georgia. So the fact that the accreditation body is just checking off that you're doing that that's all that that is. Um, another one talks about the center will certify the completion of at least 22 units for graduation. Um, again, that's a standard requirement here in Georgia. You have to have 20, 22 units of credit to be considered a high school graduate here in Georgia. So these accreditation standards are not out of the norm. You just are having, you're paying someone to come in and give you an official stamp of approval. Um, so I mean, I could do this. If I wanted to pay the fee and write up the plan, uh, I could just become accredited and call my school accredited. And I had considered it at first uh, because that's, you know, back in the back in my earlier time um, as a homeschooler where I just wanted everything to be super duper official. Um, I looked it up and I was just like, oh, I'm supremely unimpressed by what it takes to be <laughs> accredited here. So that's when I stopped putting so much weight behind it. But I would say for anybody, look it up in your state um, to see what it takes to be accredited in your area. You might be pleasantly or pleasantly surprised or disappointed to realize, oh, it's actually not that much. Like, okay, here's a standard, another one. It seems super basic. 
The center will inform parents of their responsibility to comply with Department of Education requirements. That's one of the 23 standards it takes to be accredited. So when someone says, oh, well, such and such is accredited, this is what I think of, like, okay. <laughs> and then once you're fully accredited, um, they don't come back and check every year. Like different accrediting bodies have different, um, what's it called? Um, different like rates of frequency for how often they check. So for, for some it's every three years, some every five, I've seen some every seven. So once you've met these 23 things, uh, they're not gonna come back and check you <laughs> for like another couple of years. So. Okay. Hey, hey, what's up? <laughs> yes, I do uh, homeschool year round. I tried to take summers off. My kids started crawling up the walls. I was like, no, we need to, we need something to do. <laughs> we need something to do. Yes, you can. Okay. So can you temporarily move to the Dominican Republic and still homeschool with a Florida base? My understanding of world schoolers, which is what you would want to look up just to verify what I'm about to say, is if your home, wherever your home of residence is, that's the laws that you want to uh, follow. So for example, I, as a Georgia resident, can go visit my mother in Texas for six months if I want to with my kids. And I don't have, I'm still complying with Georgia law. I do not now suddenly start to follow Texas's laws. And that is my understanding of how travel works for all world schoolers is they follow the rules for their state and they do not, um, they don't worry about trying to comply with homeschool laws for every region that they visit because they just are following the ones from where their home, their home address is. So wherever your driver's license says you're from, those are the laws, those are the state laws you should be following. I hope y'all enjoyed that episode of the Homeschool Help Desk Live. Remember that I am on TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube at Cousin Tam. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye-bye.